Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you guys again. Good to see you. Man, this is, uh, you know, there's been a, sadly, there's been this uptick in the, uh, with the pandemic because people went away on Christmas, even though all the warnings don't travel. What was it? The biggest travel day was the the day before Christmas, uh, yeah. air travel of the whole yeah. year. You would just think that, Bunch of jerks. you know, at some point people would pay attention but they don't and now we got the update the biggest day we've just here as we're recording this it's the most people died in uh in one day uh since the coronavirus came about because and, of the coronavirus. and when you say here you're in florida right yeah in but no, no I, I mean the whole united states oh the united states well it I was the say- biggest number of deaths in one day January 6th, or maybe I guess they're recording, I mean, they're reporting the 5th. January 5th was the biggest re- uh, number since COVID virus hit. Most well, deaths. sadly, uh, and this happened yesterday, a family member of mine, my aunt, who was 101 oh. going on to 102, so she had oh. a full life. But my aunt, Lou, who you've met, Jerry, and yeah. times, oh, and my I'm kids' sorry. wedding and stuff. Yeah, thank you. And she died of COVID. And oh. uh, it, it, it's another thing that sort of, you know, hits me kind of close to the bone. That's a family member. She was in an assisted living facility. And uh, it happened. What, what, it, was she able to have visitors or was the, you no. know? No, oh. no electronic, uh, you know, uh, video yeah. visits from her son, who is uh, obviously an adult few years younger than me, my cousin, who I'm very close with. And um, and luckily, she uh, her symptoms were kind of uh, relatively light compared to some people. And probably because of her age, she slipped into a state of a comatose state. And didn't suffer consciously because you hear horror stories of people yearning for closeness with relatives that they can't have. Uh, And she actually kind of uh, slipped into a state and uh, did have a conversation with my cousin that wasn't about dying because that's not where things were at that moment. I see. But then, uh, but, you know, just to emphasize, I wasn't intending to bring that up, but just it makes your Mm -hmm. point. Here we yeah. go. And that happened yesterday. Um, and I still go on social media and see people saying like, this is a, I still see like, I'll, I'll read Andy Bashir's updates every yeah. day. And people are on there saying these numbers are inflated. This isn't real. People aren't dying from that. They're dying in car accidents and they're labeling it as COVID. It's oh, no. enough. True. Enough no, it. It's absolutely true, Megan. And none of that is true. And uh, <clears throat> my aunt did not die of something else. She died of COVID-19 and that's that. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, makes me think of something, though. I actually wanted to bring up a couple things, Jerry, with you. And we're going to have John Clay on a little bit later. And John was on our last show. We asked him to come back. He's great. 
That was a beautiful yeah. song he did. Beautiful song. He, he's originally yeah. from uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, and he's moved around, you know, left there, when got out of like high school years and uh, very accomplished, uh, both musician and a singer and a songwriter and all of that. So we're going to talk to John in a few minutes. Uh, and we're going to hear uh, Jerry's thought of the week. They, they're so good. And, you know, I keep uh, complimenting those, Jerry, but, you know, you, you have great analysis and they're, well crafted so we're looking forward to that but you were since you were talking about covid once this whole thing is over and i am tracking you know constantly in kentucky which is where i live uh when does my group when can my group get the arm jab and for my wife as well and it's probably going to be within the next month according to andy brashear megan you referenced him we both live in kentucky he's our governor Doing a great job, as far as I'm concerned, including on all all, all this stuff. So, uh, but once we have uh, shots, you know, both shots, and and once we're it's safe to kind of get out and about. Jerry, you talked about, in fact, and and I, if need be, can have David play the the uh, recording of it. I hope we don't have to do that, but I'm prepared to do that. Where you made a commitment publicly that you will climb uh, Springer Mountain in Georgia. <laughs> and it's named after you, obviously. <laughs> and Springer Mountain, Georgia, you have never been there, even though they years ago named it after you. And I proposed, you agreed. Uh, we have a uh, backcountry guide who's going to join us. So this is a backpacking trip. It is at the very beginning of the 2100 mile north-south Appalachian Trail, which goes right. from Springer Mountain, Georgia to Mount Katahdin, yeah. Maine. And you are going to go up the access trail to Springer Mountain. We're going to camp there for the night and you are going to plant. Yeah, wait, this is you agreed to do this. And you said that we could plant the Springer family flag. There, if you, <laughs> climb, if you climb Mount Everest, there are flags <laughs> still up there. People plant yeah. they they represent their countries their and we you need to plant the springer flag on top of springer mountain wow. so what is yeah, your what flag is, yeah, what is the like? crest right it's a soiled that? handkerchief yeah <laughs> well, that makes sense <laughs> With a metamucil. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the metamucil. Yeah, but no, I spoke to my doctor about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, what did your doctor say? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, well, no, no. And, and he said, um, in fact, I spoke to my lawyer about it first. <laughs> and he said that any promise made uh, is invalid if you aren't of sound mind when you make oh. it. <laughs> I hear you. And I have people that can testify. I am yeah. not of sound mind. <laughs> Hell, I'll testify to that. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You know, it, when the time comes yes. and, you know, you, you'd want to wait a few years after the COVID leaves just to oh, make sure. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, you don't want to go up there. You know, what if you run into someone up there that has it? Well, you don't have to worry because you had shots. That's the whole point. Oh. Well, let me ask you something else. I'm not going to beat right. that dead horse. You know, yeah. I get people who call me because I'm as the senior executive producer, and I was recently, <laughs> yes, I was recently promoted to the senior status. So as senior executive producer, I'm on everybody's <laughs> list, everybody. So oh, I get yeah. contacts. So people send me uh, this Google alert thing. 
about, you know, Jerry, if Jerry Springer is in, if you do anything, then I get alerted to it. So I got like one day, 17 alerts, including video of people in Sarasota, Florida, seeing you on the back of a, of a wave runner. Like a a a, you know, a, ski, a ski mobile. Yes, it's like a jet ski. It's a, a, jet it's a wave ski runner. Yep. At about the estimate was fifty miles an hour, hanging on to the driver. You're you know riding bitches, we call it. You're hanging on <laughs> to the driver <laughs> with your well, hair all blowing in the breeze and looking <laughs> so freaked out. The alerts were like Jerry looked like he was you know. He shouldn't yeah. have taken Metamucil on that day. What you, and, then, and so what, what the hell was that? Well, what the hell was well, going on? It, that did happen. And what you couldn't hear is my screaming. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, well, I think that was that what yeah, that for, was? Yeah. For the holidays, <laughs> for the holidays uh, we got our grandson, Richard, a, a wave runner, a jet ski, a Yamaha uh, FX Limited. I mean, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And you can imagine his eyes when he saw that. Uh, I'll I'll send you a picture of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it it was great. He was so excited. But he's only 12. And you have to be 14 to ride it alone, to drive it alone. So the first time I took him out, uh, I had to be the one driving it. And of course, I'm going two miles an hour. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and, And that was fine. Blinker on yeah, the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> then I showed it to him and I and I fully clothed. It, I said, hey, hey Megan, fully clothed, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I took my shorts. I took my tie off. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. no, it's even worse than that. I had what they you know these oh God, you know these wetsuits? Yeah. Oh, I had a wet suit. <laughs> oh that's great. It's that's great. horrible. So I'm wearing this <laughs> wetsuit. And and I and I showed Richard, you know, how to operate it. And I told him, and I was serious. And I said, "Look, this is not a toy. This is this is a piece of equipment that can kill people. So you have to, you know, one day you want to be having a car. So you're going to start to show me some responsibility. So and, and so then I let him ride it with me on the back because I have to be on it with him. It holds three, but." So I was wow. a second, and I was holding on. He says, Opa, not so tight. <laughs> I was squeezing the breath out of him. <laughs> and then he goes, and we went, he said, and he would always ask me, can I go five miles faster? Because, you know, you got the whole the technology on it. You, you see everything you're doing. And yeah. I mean, it looks like a dashboard of a car. It really does. And he got speakers. And I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of equipment. And uh, but yes, I was holding on, and for one second, literally, I'll say maybe two seconds, he hit fifty miles an hour, and then immediately brought it back. So that was the time I violated the law because I'm sure you're not supposed to go that fast. Yeah, but um, it's it's actually it's great fun when you guys come down here being on it. It's more fun for me than the boat. Yep. yeah, really? actually, I mean, a boat obviously is more relaxing, but it, you feel totally in control. I mean, you know, if, if I had some skills, a boat would be fine, but you feel totally in control 
yeah. of a jet ski and you can stop on the dime. Yeah. And you've got a. Uh, I always feel like like a Bond girl when I'm on one. You feel like you're at a movie. They're yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Jerry, is. have you had. I mean, I think it sounds amazing. Have you gone out on it, for example, with Mickey and just sort of cruised around the bay there? Have you done that? No, uh, Mickey, uh, she wants to live. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will, we will. One, we, what we've gotten to uh, yesterday for the first time, we figured out we got to know how to put fuel in. Okay. And it, you, it, it takes, you have to have 91 or 93. Yeah. Octane. You know, yeah. octane. It has to be that. And uh, when you go to these docks to try and fill it up, like when you were down, you know, visiting yeah. us years ago, we went to that dock. Um, they only have up to, they only have 90. Oh, and so I wow. called the dealer. He says, no, you got to put 91 to 93 in. Wow. And so I went to a regular gas station. Yep. Poured it, I bought a can. Yep. Poured it in the can. That's heavy. You put five gallons into a yeah. can. Yeah. And then we took it back. I have a suggestion. Yeah. I will come down and take care of go. the jet ski for you. <laughs> yeah. That will be my entire job. Be ski girl. <laughs> yeah. Ski girl. Yeah. So Happy I got a pool boy and a ski girl. This is perfect. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> hey, by the way, here's a here's a tip. When you yes. buy that gas, and I'm being serious here, you can't yeah. like put that in the garage and then leave it for four months or whatever. That, right. that gas will stale, so you have to keep it relatively fresh. Oh, uh, yeah. And what we what we do? We literally go empty the can, and that's it. We're not gonna because we were more concerned about the heat of the garage and the fire okay. in you yeah. know here in uh, in down in Florida. So we don't even want a hot can of gasoline anywhere near us so we empty the can out we've only yeah. done this once yeah. and you know you can go he just hey megan he just pours it into the bay he doesn't care <laughs> i got some gas left over <laughs> i'm not sure in the ocean. i poured it into the right hole though yeah. is it <laughs> i don't know why do you own i lifted up this, I, I saw the engine and i just poured it over the engine is that what no, you do yeah that's what you do yeah yeah that's called yeah. priming it yeah that's a good prime. that's priming it that, yeah i heard that <laughs> well i'm super excited that you got that because oh, the next time we come when down the weather there clears you got to be down here i want to ride i mean that. when the covid when you can travel yeah yeah you gotta. yeah and that really sounds like fun hey um so, so much has been going on, uh, and you always do these thoughts of the week. What have you been thinking about this week? Well, in prior podcasts, I've always spoken about why the Constitution should be amended to, if not abolish presidential pardons, to at least restrict them. That, in fact, there is no legitimate governmental purpose in a democracy for any one person without any reason at all other than he wants to, to excuse anyone from having to obey the law. After all, some 250 years ago, we decided not to have a king. But until we do get such an amendment, the president does have that unrestricted power. And Trump, to the surprise of no one, is flaunting its use in total disregard of any moral standard and in blatant furtherance of his criminal enterprise. He's pardoning all those who either lied or kept silent about his crimes. 
after having dangled the possibility of pardon as a prize for their silence and loyalty. So at first blush, it appears that Trump has totally protected himself from federal prosecution, that he can't be prosecuted while he's in office. And when he's out, he's pardoned everyone who could sink him and maybe even pardon himself, though that effort, I assume, would eventually be struck down. Nevertheless, in a lovely bit of irony, all these pardons may have put Trump at greater risk. And the, those people who he thinks will protect him may no longer be able to. Let me explain. A president who, who commits crimes and misdemeanors while in office can, of course, be impeached. But the only penalty allowed for impeachment is removal from office by a two-thirds vote of the Senate, which, by the way, has never happened and is politically virtually impossible. And though the Constitution only speaks of this removal as a remedy, there is also the Justice Department policy that prohibits prosecution of a sitting president. But fear not, not all hope is lost. Once out of office, a now former president becomes a private citizen. And so he can be prosecuted for his crimes, including those committed while he was in office. That is not just an opinion, but rather specifically articulated in the Constitution. In Article 1, Section 3, where a president once removed or no longer in office shall be, and I'm quoting, liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So that's clear. A president once out of office can be prosecuted. Now, Trump, aware of that, is quickly pardoning those who could otherwise implicate him in any number of crimes. He believes his absolute power to pardon will be his ultimate protection from the law. Actually, he's wrong. Yes, his pardoning will protect those that he pardons. That's true. That granting is absolute and irrevocable. But pardoning others, though it protects these others, won't protect him if it's seen as him trying to obstruct justice, trying to interfere with the Mueller report, for example, or any other federal investigation. You can have the right and the power to do something, as he does, but if it is done for an illegal purpose, that power cannot be a defense. For example, you have the right and power with a license to drive an automobile. But if you're driving it as a getaway car in a bank robbery, it's no defense to say, I have the right to drive my car. No right or power can be justified if it is used for an illegal purpose. Obstruction of justice for which the president may be prosecuted is an illegal purpose. So that being said, the pardons don't protect Trump. And in fact, may have put him in an even more jeopardized position. Let me explain that. He is now in more jeopardy than he was before by issuing these pardons. Why? These people he's now pardoned, Manafort, Flynn, Roger Stone, etc., they have protected Trump all along by not testifying. And they could do that by taking the fifth 
that is refusing to answer questions about their activities based on their constitutional right not to be compelled to incriminate themselves. And in fact, they didn't throw Trump under the bus, always hoping for that eventual presidential pardon. So before they were pardoned, they didn't have to testify against him because they could say that might incriminate me. But Trump have not, may now have outsmarted himself, which isn't too hard to do. By giving all these guys pardons in the prosecution of Trump, they are now likely, that are now likely to come, they will no longer be able to refuse to testify. Here's why. They can't take the fifth anymore because since they've been pardoned, they can't be punished for the crimes anyway. So they can be compelled to testify because they're not in jeopardy of being put in prison anymore or being fined anymore. Since they are now protected, they have to testify. They can't take the fifth. Well, you say, what if they still refuse? Or what if they testify and just lie? Well, then they can be found in contempt of court and jailed until they do testify. So you could take a Manafort uh, or any of those guys that he gave a pardon to. You could compel them to testify, which they now have to. And if they still refuse or if, if they still refuse, you jail them. And you don't get out of jail, whether it's months, years, until you testify. And if you then testify and you lie, then you are guilty of perjury. And a pardon doesn't protect you from that anymore. So what Trump has done has just cut loose all these guys who were protecting him. Now he's lost that defense. It, it'll be up to a judge or jury to determine whether he broke the law. But what Trump is about to learn as he, un, as he unceremoniously leaves office is that he is no longer above the law. From the White House to the jailhouse, admittedly, it's unprecedented. But what about his presidency hasn't been? Thank you, Jerry. Thanks. I, I saw today uh, Scotland told it because he had mentioned there. Somebody said that he was going to try to golf on the uh, inauguration day. Scotland said, "No, you, you're not allowed." Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not even a chair on golf course. Get out of here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be great if he All if right. he did yeah. show up? And as soon as Trump was sworn in, excuse me, as Biden was sworn in couple of FBI guys would come up to him, put him in handcuffs and give him the perk perp walk away. Come with us. From your lips to God's yeah. ears. <laughs> Not going to happen. All right. I know. All right. So like we said at the top of the show, we have John back. With yes. John Clay back with us. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm just uh, casually uh, scrolling the feeds and the seeing what the yeah. new uh the um, doom scrolling that's the new hashtag oh yeah yeah <laughs> doom but uh yeah, yeah. just just so taking just taking it in making sense yep yep so tell me about how you got your start in music yep. where did you um what, what was your inspiration what made you want to well um I, I always give this response because it's it's the only one to give 
but generally we're all uh, we're all bound by our uh, environmental upbringing. Uh, being from the hills and valleys of of the Appalachian Mountains, I grew up in a bluegrass coal mining household, and you know by the time I could think or or say words or whatever, I, I, it was just bluegrass I, and, and plenty of music. My my dad was eclectic in his taste, but he was a world-class, still is a world-class bluegrass musicians. We still get to play together a lot. We're actually going to do a, an old-time record not not too long from now. I, I picked up a claw hammer banjo over the, over the uh, pandemic, and I've, I've fallen down that hole pretty, pretty deep, but that's it. You know, I, I, he just ushered me into the joy of, of music, and I kind of never, never looked back. I've been through 400 iterations since I was five years old, but I found my way back to my roots. That is so cool. Yes, sir. Hey, John. Uh, yeah. I, there's this thing called the Camino Trail in Spain, and you hike this thing. People do it for all sorts of reasons, but it has sort of uh, spiritual roots. <clears throat> and people from all over the world. There's a great uh, movie. Yes, it is. Uh, Emilio Esteban. Estevez. Uh, Estevez? How, how did it? Estevez. Uh, produced called The Way because uh, the El Camino is the way. And these people from all over the world hike this. And you can hike it all different uh, distances of it because it's you're supposed to walk out your door of your home. So in theory... I should walk out the door of Lobo, Kentucky and walk to uh, Santiago de Compostela, which, which of course, and, and, you know, take a boat or fly across the ocean to Portugal or something. Uh, I hiked it from a place called Leon, Spain to Santiago, which is a couple hundred plus miles. Here's the thing about music. And there are thousands of people every summer, uh, spring, summer and fall hiking it. And, and you stay in hostels and a, bunk bed for a few euros a night. You meet all these people and you're carrying your backpack and your stuff and having all these incredible meals along the way in these outside cafes and et cetera. I swear about every fifth person had a string instrument strapped on his or her backpack. And these are people from all over the world. And all along the way, me among them, I'm an old folky, so is Jerry. And you know, I played as a kid. I suck, but I, and I still suck, but I love it. And everybody's just singing music. And do you remember Megan and Jerry when we went to Cuba and we were on oh, the Malacan, yeah. the wall? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. What was it? The same thing happening there? Do you remember yeah, that? That was the yeah, absolutely. And, just, and, Jer and Jerry. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, uh, John, nobody in Cuba, and, and we joke about this sometimes. I'm making a, a serious point. But because they yeah. don't have American television, Jerry was not Jerry Springer. He's just a dude, you know, another guy. And he, oh, he was that there. Sucked. That was horrible. <laughs> I know. Oh, but, Jerry, huh. but Jerry, but yeah, Jerry has guts, So he had Casey Campbell. You know Casey Campbell, right, John? And Casey, yeah, and he's our music producer. And he went down there with us, too, and he had his guitar. And he was performing uh, in this one-week trip that we did to Cuba. But Jerry sang... Uh, a Beatles song. Which one was it, Jerry? Uh, I saw her standing. Saw her yeah. standing there, and people loved it, and it drew standing a crowd. There, yep. And because Jerry actually is pretty good at this stuff, and and yeah. he, but he drew a crowd, and so in Cuba and all along the the El Camino Trail, the Camino de Santiago, 
it's a, isn't it true, John, that music is a universal language? Because we've all got these rhythms inside of us yeah. and these sounds that harken back to, like you were saying, roots and all our roots are different. Uh, the Graceland uh, record that uh, Simon did, Paul Simon did, is so cool because there's a song in it about that, about these rhythms that we all have inside. Of, and they're all yeah. different. Yours come from the, the coal mining uh, hollers and mountains of Appalachia. Mine come from probably Ireland. Yeah. It's amazing, I, though, isn't it? I recently, it really is. I recently obsessed over the over Graceland. I, I watched the, there's an Amazon. If you've not uh, dug through the Amazon classic albums files, like uh, yep. there's a virtual shit ton. Pardon my language. Yep. Uh, yep. But they did Graceland and it was incredible. You know, he, he bringing in all of the the truest uh, of of roots to all of our music, which which was yep. born in Africa and then carried over yeah. In, yeah. into the mountains. And and why, you know, uh, I've always been uh, I'm a very fixated musician. So when I was doing the punk rock thing from the early 90s into the 2000s, that's all that I did. And when I yep. got into, pro, you know, more progressive rock, that's all that I did. And more roots music and song, singer-songwriters, that's all that I did. And now I've found myself in this obsessive state uh, in old-time music and, and nice overhand banjo. I mean, my dad's a, world again, world-class three-finger Scruggs player, so I'm doing that too. Really? But I've, nice. but I've tripped. Wow, and, yeah. I've tripped and fallen down this this old time claw hammer hole and, you know, finding records and artists that are 150 years old uh, recordings from the 1800s. And, you know, knowing without question that those songs that people are still playing now came originally, you know, the, the style specifically carried over the ocean from Africa. And, and then we in the mountains kind of coined it and turned it into whatever we turned it into. And a couple yep. of centuries later, you know, we're all picking it apart, trying to understand it with what is left of the archives. It's pretty amazing yep. stuff. That is very cool. Hey, by the way, John, <clears throat> would you, I beg you, would you and your dad, you and your dad come back on this show? And I mean, as soon as you're willing and do Absolutely. a, a Okay. Oh, that would be great. Wouldn't you agree, Megan and Jerry? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I'll, is an uh, invitation. Next time I go into Pikeville, which should be soon, I'll I'll uh, record a couple of couple of videos and then okay, reach back, I'll reach back out to you. But I just and, to, to touch on what you said about the the universal um, language yeah. music, a, a very uh, something that I'll never forget. My fiance and I last Christmas which was the first Christmas that I, that I miss with my family, uh, we decided to go to Vietnam. So we spent, uh, spent 10 days over there hopping around to five different territories. And we took a, like woke up at four in the morning, took a little John boat, dinghy, dinghy motor boat, tiny yeah. little, uh, tiny little man was, was running the motor and it was just her yeah. and I sitting in this little boat it was the sun's not up yet. We get out on the on the water and we just take off down the, the Mekong Delta, I, I think it's called. Yeah. And uh, you know, watch the sun come up over Vietnam in this in this territory called Kun Kun Dao. Kun, Kun, Kun Do. <laughs> I don't know how they say it. Yeah. 
so we're we're watching the sun come up and, and we're riding into a, a remnant of years past where where there's ships on the water, boats on the water, hundreds as far as I can see, and they all have their uh, their goods tied to a mast on their uh, on their ship, showing you what they have, and you know slowly but surely all of these other boats start to come in behind us and they're all, they're, they're performers on these boats playing like traditional ancient Mongolian music and wow. other things like that. So even in Vietnam on the water uh, in the, as the sun is rising over us, there's, there's this like ancient connection to an old stringed instrument from hundreds of years ago playing right beside of me and throat singing happening, you know. That's a great story. That's a it was, great story. It, it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I was in Nam, but I, I don't like to, you know, memory. it's hard It's hard for me to talk about it. No, you weren't. I was in Nam. You were not. You were not. Uh, they didn't. No, you weren't. I do. I, I don't want to even hear the joke. Yeah, I no, the I was in Nam, there. and it's God's truth. <laughs> I was there in 2008 <laughs> because I was the host of the Miss Universe pageant. Oh, which which was owned by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. That's right. Yeah, he was my boss. He was my boss. I was the host of the Miss Universe pageant, and it was in Vietnam. So when people talk about (laughs) Nam, I said, you know, it's hard for me to talk about it. I I still wake up in the middle of the night going, "Oh, Miss Venezuela, Miss Venezuela, Miss Venezuela." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Megan. Thanks. Okay, so anyway, John, <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to sing for us this time? What do you got for us for this uh, for this evening? Well, it was it was difficult to find a video that that's of present day that I, that I enjoy sharing. But this is an old uh, video of an original called Thirty Four Dollars. Uh, I recorded at the Chicago Music Exchange nice. in two thousand and seventeen. That's it. It's just a just a, a song about being the cycle of being a broke musician, basically.
Couple button-down shirts and my old jean jacket And I just might make it through And I guess it's time to go Back to leaning on the wind And not knowing where I lay my head again Clay. That totally reminds me. Back in my twenties, uh, I was I was an actress for a while, and at the low point, I had a can of tuna and a cat. So we had to split the can of. Tuna. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. Oh, uh, that was excellent. That I would have sent you a can. I would have sent you a can. Oh, thanks, Jer. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that was John Clay. You can check him out. It's Kentucky John Clay, right? Yeah, that's how you on social media, Kentucky John Clay. Um, really great to have you. Pleasure talking to you. Can't wait to talk to you again and, and hear you and your dad play. That'll be really cool. Yeah, it, absolutely, it, John. Thank Good you all for having job. me. It was, uh, thank you. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be here and be amongst the conversation. Right. Super. I feel, I'm feeling, right. feeling rich. Right. <laughs> Come back. Right, so we're going to go out on uh, Down by the Riverside by one Mr. Casey Campbell. Well, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Way down, down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my heavy load, y'all Down by 
listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the rivers.